Heavenly Father, we praise you. You have given us everything we need. Salvation through Jesus Christ. New life in the Holy Spirit. Eternal life with you. Open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us if we would live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're finishing up this story of the Bible sermon series. We started it in January. We started in Genesis 1. And we haven't covered every... For those of you that are visiting, we haven't covered everything in the Bible. We've been walking through the Bible and, and seeing some of the places where we see some of the real important movements of, of what we should all understand about what it means for us to follow God. So how should we finish this series? Uh, there are lots of different ways that we could have chosen to finish this series. We could have talked about the second coming of Christ. Did you know that he is coming again here to our world? We could have talked about heaven. In fact, we, we touched on that in the very first sermon where we contrasted the, the life that we live here on earth, marred by sin, but glory to come. We could have talked about that. Or... Uh, we could have talked about evangelism. It would have been very appropriate for us to walk through what the Bible says and then to close by saying, now let's give this message to other people. But there's kind of a, there's a trump card that we can play that kind of will get at all of those. There, there's, there's one message we could do at the end that will lead us into everything that we need to know, and it's the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do today. And, and the thought here is that if we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, God will give us everything we need. He'll, he'll take care of us. He'll guide us. He'll help us to be effective in evangelism. We'll be ready for the second coming. Now, I've been talking a lot about two paths lately. And the, the reason I've been doing it is, I think, because the Bible does it. So the idea is that there are only two paths. And here's how I want to frame it for today. If we are led by the Holy Spirit, we will go on the path that God has for us. There's the other option as well, though. There's the path where we would not be led by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that contrast today, what each path might look like. But let's back up the story for a moment, and let's talk about this idea of walking with God. That's what you do on a path, is you walk. So the idea of walking with God, God has always wanted us to do it. We think back to Genesis 1 through 3. God created Adam and Eve, and they were in the Garden of Eden. It was paradise. And what were they supposed to do with him there? They were supposed to walk with him. Or as you read through your Old, Te Old Testament, that word walk shows up a lot in there. And God, even though sin came into the world, God still wanted his people to walk with him. And then you think about Jesus and his earthly ministry. And what did he call his disciples to do? To walk with them. And then you think about the final stage in heaven. And that is a place where we can literally walk with God forever. God has always wanted us to walk with him, but unfortunately our sin gets in the way. Now, our sin is a huge deal. It's a bigger deal than we would naturally think it is. We might look around and see everybody else sinning, and, and maybe we would think that God thinks that our sin isn't that big of a deal. Well, it is a very big deal. In fact, it's such a big deal. If we were left to our sin, left in our sin, we would be in it forever, and we'd be separated from God forever. But God has done two things in regard to our sin problem. The first, and I hope you know this one, this is, this is not the one that we're going to spend most of our time talking about today, but I hope you know that God sent Jesus to take care of our sin problem. That he took our sin penalty upon himself and paid the price for it so that we could be completely forgiven and can have an eternal relationship with God. 
That's the first thing that God did to take care of our sin problem. The second thing that he has done is that he has given us the Holy Spirit so that having entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we can live a life pleasing to God. We don't have to go on that path of sin. God fills us with the Holy Spirit that we might live that life pleasing to him. So before we jump into our passage today, which is going to be in Galatians 5, a famous passage on the fruit of the Spirit, I want to show you some verses from the New Testament that explain to us that we receive the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Now, I want to start here because a lot of Christians don't know this. There, there are a lot of Christians who assume that at one moment in time you receive Jesus, and then sometime later, maybe, you receive the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not true. It's not what the Bible says. In fact, I'll show you a verse in just a few moments that says it can't be that way. So what I want, I want to do here is I want to show you four verses in the New Testament that, that explain to us that when we receive Jesus, we also receive the Holy Spirit. The first one is Ephesians 1.13, which says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And, and stop there. I think we get that part, right? When we receive Jesus, we receive Jesus. That's what that first part is saying. But look at the next part. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, the next one, Romans 8.9, the, the second half of that verse it says, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So it's stated negatively in there, but look what it's saying. It's saying what, what I mentioned before, that there's, there's no such thing as a Christian who has Christ but does not have the Holy Spirit. Now, we have to be careful with that because it doesn't automatically mean that we're living in the power of the Holy Spirit just because we've received him, but look at the truth of it. When we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as any other kind of Christian. We have the Holy Spirit. Uh, the goal, as we'll see later in this sermon, is that we would walk with the Holy Spirit. Two more verses, though. First one, John 7:38. Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And in the very next verse, Jesus told us specifically that he was talking about the Holy Spirit there. So, who is that for? Whoever. Whoever believes in Jesus, Holy Spirit will be flowing from within him. And then one more verse from the New Testament, Galatians 3, 2. Paul says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Now, if you're familiar with the book of Galatians, which, by the way, youth group kids should be very familiar with it, right, Josh? They should be able to quote it for me by now. Uh, there's an answer to that question, right? You don't receive the Spirit by observing the law. You receive the Spirit by believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, just want you to know, that's the truth of the Holy Spirit according to what the Bible says. We receive the Spirit when we receive Jesus. And that's in fulfillment. Think of two Old Testament passages that we looked at in this sermon series. In Ezekiel 36, God promised his people that he would give them a new heart and a new spirit. And then in Joel 2, a passage uh, that was quoted in Acts 2 that we looked at recently, that's the one where God promised that he would pour out his Spirit on all people. On all... Uh, it's, for those who would call on the name of Jesus, we also get the Holy Spirit. So, all this to say, the Bible's teaching on the Holy Spirit is a really important part of our walk with God, and I think that there are too many Christians who ignore this amazing part of our walk with God. And, and here's why it's a problem to ignore the Holy Spirit. If we go in our own way, according to our own power, which path are we going to end up taking? We'll take the wrong one. 
Okay, so let's get to our passage today, Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. I want to read it now. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to walk through this passage, and I want to show you two C words that will help you understand what this passage is about. Um, And then after we do that, we're going to conclude talking about this choice we have about which path we can take. Okay, so I have two C words for you. The first C word is conflict. In verse 16, right away, we see the two combatants in this conflict. We have the Holy Spirit, and we have the sinful nature. Now let's look at the the second one first, the sinful nature. Some of your translations might say flesh here, and that's literally what the word means. Although it's not talking about our skin, as if the problem with us was that we had skin. The, The problem is... And I like to expand the scope here a little bit in verse 16. Look at the whole phrase. It's the desires of the sinful nature. That is the problem. In fact, any problem that ever comes up in life really has to do with this, the desires of the sinful nature. There's something about all of us, and we all know it, something that has led us in the wrong direction. You can see it in young kids even. Who taught them to fight over a toy? And seriously, if any of you taught my kids to fight over a toy, I want to know about it because they're, you know... But we've all done this, right? Every single one of us knows what it's like to have this struggle in us. And sometimes we even know the right way that we should go and we don't choose it. That's what it means to be human. We have these sinful desires. And if we merely trust in ourselves, all too often we will go that path of following the sinful desires. But there's another option. There's another combatant in this conflict, and it is the Holy Spirit mentioned there in in verse 16. As I showed you in those verses earlier, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit. So we have the power of God living in us in this conflict. And we don't have to go in the wrong direction. But let's take a look at this conflict then in verse 17. It reminds us there that the desires of the spirit and the desires of the sinful nature are contrary or opposed to each other. So the Holy Spirit wants us to go one way, the sinful nature wants us to go the other way. And again, I want to ask you, you ever felt that tension? (laughs) Raise your hand if you've never felt that tension because you might not be human if you've never felt that tension in life between something that's good and something that's bad. We've all felt that. That's part of what it means for us to be human. But let's think about that conflict then. Why would we ever follow the desires of the sinful nature instead of the Holy Spirit? If as Christians we have the opportunity to follow God into what's right, why do we go the other way? Well, let's be honest here and just recognize that 
that those desires of the sinful nature are pretty strong desires. They can be pretty tempting. So right off the bat, we have to understand that there is this, this tension, this conflict. And this is how Satan first tempted Adam and Eve. Again, we're, we're walking through the story of the Bible. Let's think about that, that first scene in the Garden of Eden when Satan was tempting Adam and Eve. What did he say? Did Satan come up to Adam and Eve and say, Hey, Adam and Eve, spit in God's face. Renounce him right now. Is that what, That's not how he said Remember, he, he worked on their desires and he got them to believe that God was withholding something good from them. And, and who knows how long it took, but, but eventually Adam and Eve thought, you know what? That does look good. I want that. And they followed the desires of the sinful nature. And if we're not careful, we will fall for that same lie that our lives will be better if we follow the desires of the sinful nature. And, and let's be honest, there's, there's some pleasure in going that route but it's not the route that God leads us on. And it doesn't have to be that way for a believer because in verse 18, it talks about how we can be led by the Spirit. Now that word led in verse 18 is the same word that's used in Matthew 21 of how a donkey is led. And I like that because that kind of puts it in my ballpark here. I I can, yeah, lead me like that, okay, I'll follow. But that's the way it should be. And I'm not trying to suggest that we're just some dumb animal. But a, a good donkey follows its master. And that's what we should be. As servants of God, we should follow our Master wherever He leads us. Because if Jesus Christ is our Lord and Master, we should go in the way that He leads us. And He leads us by the Holy Spirit. Now, this conflict goes on in the next two paragraphs. In verses 19 through 21, we'll see the the acts of the sinful nature. And then in verses 22 through 23, we'll see what a life would look like if we were led by the Holy Spirit. So it's the contrast of the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And even before we look at them, I just want to ask you, which one do you want in your life? Do you want the the works of the sinful nature or the fruit of the Holy Spirit? It's an easy choice, right? We know that God will satisfy us if we go on the path that he has for us. Okay, so in verses 19 through 21, we see a bunch of sins, 15 of them to be exact, that could very easily crop up in the life of a person if they are following the sinful nature. And we, we don't need to spend our time today defining every single one of them. Instead, I just want you to look at that list, whether it's on the screen or in your Bible or in the bulletin. I want you to look at that list right now and pick one or two of them out that you might be struggling with right now. And um, one of the best tips that I have for you in your walk with God is to be humble enough to recognize that you may not be on top of every single one of these at all moments of your life. That you may very well at times be struggling with some of these things. And a humble heart can go a long way in this. So look at that list. See if there's one or two in there that you're struggling with. Maybe it's sexual immorality. Are there any of you out there that are looking at or or doing or thinking things that you know you shouldn't? Or what about fits of rage? Any of you get too angry? Is that your natural response? Well, think about it. (laughs) It is the natural response, and that's the problem. The problem is that that we don't have to act like a mere animal. If if a dog gets mad when something happens, we expect that. But we have a moral compass, and we don't have to act like this. So you get more angry than you should. Or there's that one on there, selfish ambition. That's the one that always stands out to me. That's the one that I always look look at and say, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I do have my own ambition, my own desires in life. And sometimes my ambition 
conflicts with what God has for me. Has that ever happened for you? Do you ever desire or demand your own way at the expense of God or at the expense of others? Okay, so what do we do? If we see any of these things in our lives, what do we do with them? Well, the simple answer is that we would repent. We ask for forgiveness. We, we just admit to God that we're struggling, and we ask for his strength to help us out. See, oftentimes in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come with a message, and it was a message to convict people of their sin, and the, the desired result was that the people would repent and turn away from it. And it's the same for us today. If you see any of these sins in your life, repent. But then what about that last phrase there where Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean that if any one of us ever stumbles and you know, has, a, has a moment of jealousy, does that mean that we're going to go to hell? I don't think that's what it's saying. In fact, I think what this, the, the language of the last part of verse 21 is saying is that, that those who live in the continual practice of this, uh, they're, they're being warned that they would not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some people like to explain this away and say, well, it's not really saying what it's saying. Well, let's, let's not do that. See? Let's take this as a warning. That if you see yourself, the, the constant practice of your life is that you live according to those sins mentioned in those verses, it means that something's wrong and you need to repent. Now, yes, there is forgiveness. That is the good news of the message of the Bible. But let's take this warning seriously that we shouldn't be living like that. But there's better news. The, and the better news is that we can follow the Holy Spirit. We can be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. But again, just before we go on to the next few verses, I just want you to think about any of those sins in your life, and I want you to think about repenting of them. That might be the, the best thing that you could do today, is just talk to God about what, what He knows is in your life, what you know is there, and it's not right. But let's move on now. I want to reread verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And don't you just kind of want to take a deep breath after, after reading those awful things in the last few verses? Isn't it really great to know that God can produce these things in you? And I love these verses. These have become life verses to me. And the reason I think they've become life verses to me is because they're so practical that at, at any moment I could just stop and say, how am I doing in regard to the fruit of the Spirit? In fact, one of the ways that I look at, at these verses is that it's kind of like a, a thermometer. And you could go at any point in your life and just talk to God and say, God, how's my love doing? And here's the deal. If your love has grown cold, it shows you that there's something that's off in your relationship with God. Or you could take joy, for example. If your joy has decreased, it's not just because the twins are losing or because things aren't going good at work. Or it's not, you get what I'm saying? It's not the circumstances of life that can get your joy down. Circumstances of life can't touch the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can give you joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So if there's something wrong with your joy, there's something wrong with your relationship with God and all you have to do is talk to Him. And here's one of the really cool parts of this. If you see any of these things lacking in you, you can go to God and He produces them in you. And, and the reason that God can produce these things in you is because all nine of these fruits of the Spirit are true of God as well. God is love. God is the God of peace. God is gentle and faithful. 
So since the Holy Spirit is God, that's part of the message of the Trinity, we believe that the Holy Spirit can produce these things in us if we would humbly come before him and ask. We know that it's God's will that we would live lives like this, of joy, peace, all these good things, so we can pray to God by faith and trust that he will give them to us. Now let's not overlook that faith part. This is not just some checklist. This is not just, you know, phone it in and punch the number and God will give you joy. This is by faith, trusting that God can give it to you. And that's what you can do at any time. That's why these have become life verses for me. Because I, I can see it at any time, if I ever start to feel something getting off. Do you, do you notice that in yourself? That sometimes things just start to get off and you might start to wander off the path? I want you to take note of those times. And I want you to go to God in those times, repent of your sins, and ask Him to fill you with the fruit of the Spirit. Imagine, imagine what kind of life you might live if every time something started to go wrong in your life, you went immediately to God and asked for His help. That's what I want to do. Uh, although I will say, I tried to live that way yesterday, and uh, I'm still not perfect at it. <laughs> so um, let's, let's keep trying at this, though and trusting that God will produce these wonderful things in us. So it's really cool. If you're not a patient person, you don't have to just say, well, I'm not a patient person, and I guess I never will be. No, you can say, God, I'm sorry that I've been impatient. Would you please help me with this? So again, the good news is that God is pleased to help you with all of these things, and that God wants your life to be filled with awesome fruit. We simply need to follow him. Okay, let's move on to verse 24 then. It says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Now there's a lot that I could say here. Let me just make a few comments though. When we received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we died with him. And part of that death means that the sinful nature was crucified along with its passions and desires. Now, don't misunderstand. It doesn't mean that we're all of a sudden exempt from the temptations of the sinful nature. No, back in uh, verse 13 of this chapter, we're told that even though we're free, we shouldn't use that freedom to indulge the sinful nature. So here's the deal. We've been set free, but even as believers, we're still tempted to live according to that old pattern of life, which actually leads to death. So we have a choice set before us. We can live according to the way of life, or we can follow temptation and follow the way of death. Why would we choose the way of death? Now, we've all been there. We all know what it's like to make the wrong choice and to go that way, but we don't have to. In that moment of temptation, we can remind ourselves that we're dead to that way of life. The old has gone, the new has come. And I love how Galatians 2.20 says it on this topic. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Jesus died to give us this new life. Why would we follow the old pattern of life anymore? We should say of that old way of life, I don't want to live like that anymore. And then we follow the Holy Spirit into what he has for us. But that leads us into this second C word that I want to mention today, and that's command. This passage is bookended by two commands in regard to the Holy Spirit. The first one is in verse 16 where it says, so I say, live by the Spirit. And then the, the last one, 
is at the end of the passage in verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That first command in verse 16 is literally a command to walk by the Spirit. Now when I hear that word walk, what I often think of is how Jesus asked his disciples to walk with him. And what happened when they walked with him? They learned from him. Their lives were changed. They entered into new life through their relationship with Jesus. Now we are still supposed to walk with Jesus. And the message of the Trinity, and here's one of the things I love about the Trinity, the Trinity is united. That, that's why it makes perfect sense to me that when we receive Jesus, we also receive the Holy Spirit, and we enter into an eternity-long relationship with God the Father. All three of those relationships, we enter into them at the same time. So since we're supposed to walk with Jesus, it makes perfect sense then that we should also walk with the Holy Spirit. He leads us into what's right. And then that second command there in verse 25 is that we would keep in step with the Spirit. Now, the, the phrase keep in step, it's a, it comes from the world of the military. It literally means in rank. So uh, I, don't, I don't know because I wasn't in the military, so I'll have to uh, ask a question to those of you who were in the military. But let me ask this. Um, when your commanding officer barked orders at you, were they suggestions or commands? They, they were commands. Are you sure? You did, he didn't say, if you feel like it. Um, no, think of this. Let's think of a soldier who won't follow his commanding officer. So let, let's say that he's enlisted, and he's a soldier, and he's bragging to his family and friends about how he's in the military. But when he's actually there, he won't listen to his commanding officer or do what his commanding officer says. What's going to happen to that soldier? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> okay, he's, uh, so, it's, so it's not good, we're saying. Okay, well, think about this. I think that there are a lot of people out there who call themselves Christians, but who are not willing to listen to the commands of God as revealed in them by the Holy Spirit. And, and when I say revealed in them by the Holy Spirit, think of it this way. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, one of the things that Jesus said he would do is that the Holy Spirit would remind us of what Jesus had said. Or you can think of it this way. The Holy Spirit oversaw the entire process of the writing of the Bible. You could say that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible and he lives in us. So at every moment in time, we have direct access to the one who can speak truth into our hearts. And what are we to do with his truth? We're to keep in step. We are to follow in rank. We have a Lord to follow, and we shouldn't just assume that we can live our lives how we want to. I think that that's how some Christians do it. I've talked with Christians who think that they've got their get-out-of-hell-free card because they asked Jesus to come into their heart, and then because God forgives sins, they can just live however they want. That is not the life of keeping in step with the Spirit. Uh, and you, I think the Bible would even cause us to call into question whether that person truly gave their life to the Lord. Because to give the life to the Lord means that you agree to follow Him. So let us be people who walk with the Spirit and who keep in step with the Spirit. Or a very similar command is in Ephesians 5.18 that says we are to be filled with the Spirit. And all three of those commands get at the same point. God leads us, we follow. Now that gets me back to this conclusion that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. There are two paths. 
And there's a lot of different ways to describe the two paths, but let's go this, with this one today. There's one path that we would take that would lead to a life that is pleasing to God. That is the life where we know Jesus as Lord and where we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. But there's that other path, the one that we would probably take to please ourselves, to live according to the desires of the sinful nature. Now, I was thinking about this in regard to worship this week. Do you remember the first of the Ten Commandments? In Exodus 23, God said, You shall have no other gods before me. And then the very next command was a warning for them not to make idols, that they should not come up with anything or anyone to worship other than the one true God, because he is the only one who's worthy of worship. So let's think about our two paths. If we're going on the path that God has for us, led by the Holy Spirit, it's going to lead to a life of worship. But if we're on the other path, living for self, living for sinful desires, what does that say about who our God is? It seems to me that we've turned ourselves into an idol. If we're living for self, if we're living for pleasure, if we're living, living according to the desires of the sinful nature, it's like we're worshiping ourselves. Maybe that's not what you intended to do, but I think that's how temptation works. Again, Satan didn't ask Adam and Eve very first thing to spit in God's face. What did he do? He tempted them with desires. But the end result was the same as if they did spit in God's face because they ended up going on the wrong path. Now, we need to be really careful about how subtle this can be. We probably won't wake up tomorrow saying, hey, you know what, I think I'll take the wrong path today. That usually isn't how it goes. But if we let our mindset slip into that place where we live for sinful desires instead of living for God, we can easily get off track. So let me ask you this question. Do you go through life assuming you can do it in your own power? Assuming that if you just trust in yourself, you'll be able to go the right way? Or do you keep asking God for the help that only he can give the help that he gives through the Holy Spirit God is very pleased to help us that's why he gives us the Holy Spirit John 16 14 might be my favorite verse in the Bible on the Holy Spirit Jesus was speaking and he, Jesus said he the Holy Spirit will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you isn't that great the Holy Spirit takes the things of Jesus and makes them known to us in order that Jesus will receive glory. Now, if you have given your life to the Lord, if you want to follow that, that first commandment to have no other gods before God, then I suggest that you live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us to reveal God's ways to us, to strengthen us to live according to those ways so that we can give glory to God in everything that we do. And in that we get a, a glimpse of the big picture of the Bible. We're, we're wrapping up this story of the Bible sermon series today and what I hope you've seen is that God has good plans for us but that we mess up our part of it with our sin. But God sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can be cleansed, we're invited into a new relationship with God, and in that relationship with God, every moment of every day, we should be filled with the Holy Spirit, in step with the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit. And as we follow the Holy Spirit into this new life, it will lead to a life of love, joy, peace, patience, all those good things. And think about those things. Let's just look at the first three. Love, joy, peace. 
The world wants those things. Think about how much time and effort and money is spent on the people of this world trying to get love, joy, and peace. And how successful are they at it? But then think about this. God gives those things to us freely as we submit to Him, as we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So do you follow the Holy Spirit? How often do you ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Now my heart on this, I want to do this multiple times a day. Now I'm I'm pretty good at doing it one time a day. There's one time in my day that I have set aside, usually at night, I think about my next day, I think about all the things that I'm going to do, and I ask God to strengthen me for each one. But that's not enough for me, and, and, and sadly to say, sometimes maybe that's all it's been for me. But what I want to do is I want to go throughout my day trusting in God's power, not in my power. So here's what I'm trying to do, and I want, I want to challenge you to do this with me. I want you, as you go through your day, so here's how I'm thinking of it. As I go from one thing to the next, in that transition time in there, I want to ask God to fill me with the Holy Spirit as I go into that next part. So think about it. You get done with work, and you're going to go home to your family. Spend that time praying that God would fill you with the Holy Spirit as you interact with your family. And and that works for whatever it is, whether you're going to work or going to school or going into your free time, whatever it is that God has set before you. Because remember, God has good works prepared for us to walk in. I want to walk in those in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to remember God's presence with me as I go in the different parts of my day. May we be people who live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Holy Spirit, trusting God all along the way that He will take care of everything that we need. And may that result in lives we live to give God glory. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you that you have given us what we need. We thank you that you sent Jesus to pay for our sins, that that we can be completely forgiven and that we can have an eternal relationship with you. But God, in this life here on earth, we still struggle with sin and sinful desires and temptations. Would you please fill us with the Holy Spirit to live the lives that you want us to live? And God, I pray that we would keep trusting in you, that we wouldn't assume that that's just a a one-moment sort of a thing that just happened once in our lives, but that we would continually be filled with the Holy Spirit and that we, like good soldiers, would keep in step with the Holy Spirit, constantly listening to what you have revealed to us in your word. And God, I thank you that the the Holy Spirit who oversaw the whole process of the writing of the Bible lives in us. Would you please remind us of your truth, God, by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would humbly submit and live according to your ways. And God, we pray these things because we want to live lives that give you glory. You are glorious. You are worthy of praise. I pray that our lives would reflect that as we live by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.